It's the Astro Primer for April 16th through the 22nd of 2018. Hey guys, it's April already, and if some of you haven't been out for milkweed photography yet, then you've got to get out, and now is the best time to do it. We just had the new moon on April 15th, and so now the sky is completely free of the moon until the end of the week. And so you're going to have time, not only at the end of the week when the moon sets, but from now until Saturday, Friday, depending on where you are in the world, you're not going to have any sort of light block in your Milky Way. So get out there to dark sky sites in April, guys, depending on your location. If you're in the North America lab, attitude right now it is the best time for a panorama Milky Way. It is just perfect with the way that the Milky Way arches all the way from the core up into the sky high and then comes back down to the horizon. April and May are the best times for that. So make sure you're getting out and going and doing Milky Way photography. So for our quick primer this ye this week, if you're in North America, your Milky Way, depending on your exact location, the minutes will be different, okay? So depending on your exact spot, northern and southern in North America, you're going to have a different minute. But roughly from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m., the Milky Way core is hitting the horizon and rising and then going into astronomical twilight by about 5 a.m. So you're going to have from 1 to 5 a.m., depending on your location, to see the Milky Way core. It's up until Saturday that the moon is not in your way. At Saturday morning, right in the early, early hours of the morning, it's going to set 30 minutes into the Milky Way core. So the Milky Way core is becoming visible on the horizon, but then the moon is still up at that point for 30 minutes. So as the Milky Way core is coming off the horizon and getting higher in the sky, for 30 minutes the moon will be in your way and then set. So honestly, it's practically not in anyone's way because that 30-minute time of the moon setting is also going to be the time that the Milky Way is rising off the horizon unless you're in the salt flats or off the ocean or somewhere that's crazy flat, you're probably not even seeing the core anyway for at least 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes because that core is still rising above the mountains, the tree line, anything that's in your path. And then Sunday morning, you'll have an hour and a half that the moon is going to be in the way. But it's still, you got three hours left to work with from, you know, 2 a.m., 2.30 a.m. until 5 a.m. So you're going to have lots of time, still good Milky Way photography on Sunday morning. If you're in Europe, say you're in London, that's a high, high latitude in Europe, you have 2 a.m. to 4 a.m and the moon's going to be in your way only on Sunday morning, but it's going to be there for only 45 minutes, and then the moon will set and get out of your way. Europe, uh, lower Europe, Italy, 1 a.m. to 4.45 a.m. Sunday is your day that the moon will be in your way, and it's there for a full hour. Now remember, using the moon to light your terrain is pretty dang awesome. So when the moon is setting and getting out of your way, it's the best-case scenario. So while you're sitting there in your position, you've got a great shot of your foreground with the moon lighting it. And then it sets and gets out of your way, and the Milky Way rises and comes up. And so Sunday morning could be the best day for you, even better than going out on Wednesday when there's no moon at all. So depending on your location, depending on whether you're going to do low-level lighting, you might prefer Sunday morning. So think about that, North America and Europe. So Japan, you're going to have 11.30 p.m. through 3.30 a.m. So areas out near Japan in the northern latitudes, you're going to have that kind of timeline to see the Milky Way core. Saturday night, you get 30 minutes of the sun in your way. Or, sorry, the sun, the moon in your way. And it happens again Sunday evening as well. What happens is during the 11.30 to midnight, it's going to set on you Saturday night. And so if you're out there Saturday night to Sunday morning, it's 
going to be in your way just like everyone else Sunday, Sunday. But it's just not in the 1 a.m., 2 a.m. hours that it happens like it does in North America and Europe. In Japan, you're getting a little bit of the timeline of, you know, Saturday night, 11.30 p.m. to midnight that you're getting the moon in your way. Chile, southern hemisphere now. You guys... You guys have the greatest opportunity for the Milky Way, but you also have the most challenging Milky Way. For a lot of the year, the Milky Way is so high in the sky, you don't have the same beautiful panorama opportunity that we have right now. I looked at it on Stellarium, and I'm watching it and thinking, without my own personal experience of being there, would this work as a panorama? And my thought is that it's kind of high. The core of the Milky Way is kind of high off the horizon, and it makes a very extreme arch in order to touch the, you know, touch both sides of the horizon so you guys down there in south america in south africa new zealand australia let me know because i'm thinking that this is too early for a panorama for you guys but that is just me basing it off of a stellarium and no personal one you know experience on my own where i have my camera out there and your guys is awesome southern hemisphere so i'm excited to do that someday and know it but chile you have the milky way core visible from 10 15 p.m that's when it rises and then it becomes visible all throughout the night until 6 45 a.m in the morning and honestly you guys in south the south in the southern hemisphere have a long 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 night with the milky way it does mean that the moon gets in the way more than it did for us and so chile moon is going to be for 15 minutes in your way on thursday then it will set friday it will be there for an hour and then set saturday night and sunday morning it'll be there for two hours and then set and get out of your way like i said you have tons of time after that no worries you got plenty of time from two in the morning until 6 45 a.m to enjoy the milky way core without any light south africa 9.15 p.m. to 5.30 a.m. So just a little hour off of Chile, but the exact same time frame. You got Friday, you have one hour. Saturday, you have two hours. Thursday, it never gets in your way. You're golden. On Sunday, you will have a three-hour period where the moon is in your way that morning, but that's okay. You'll be able to work around with that in that evening. New Zealand, very similar schedule, 8.34 to 5.30 a.m. And Friday, one hour. Saturday, two hour. On Sunday, three hours. So, if you guys want to get out in the Milky Way and have no moon whatsoever everywhere in the world, think about from now, Monday through Thursday, you're going to have no problems. And then, depending on where you are, you're going to start having the moon come into your frame, you know light up your your scene light up the sky a little bit from thursday friday saturday sunday so pay attention to photo pills planet anything that you like to use to check that information and like i said work with it work with the moon being there in your way it's still dang awesome when it's lighting your terrain so work with it awesome thing about the astro astral world this week is that jupiter is bright and crazy and right in the row of Fuki. It's also a love-hate situation. I'm hating it sometimes when it's so bright and distracting and pulling my eye away. But Jupiter right now is further from the row of Fuki than it's going to be soon. It's going to keep moving in towards the Milky Way. Enjoy it now while you can for the next few months because next year in 2019, you're going to have Jupiter on top of the Milky Way core for most of the year. It's going to have some retrograde action where it goes and it has movement. That you kind of It looks like it goes backwards, which is why they call them planetos is that planetos is that they move and wander across the sky and so there's going to be a period a few months in 2019 where the where jupiter is going on the milky way core kind of goes back off the milky way core and then it's going to cross all the way the milky way core to the left side so if you're in the northern hemisphere it would be considered the bottom part of the milky way core and we'll get out of the way again 
And so 2019, the Jupiter is going to be in our way more than it is right now. So if you love the Rho Fuki and you want to capture that, capture it now. Jupiter is right there. It's going to look like the moon in a lot of your shots because it's just so bright. It's so bright. But Saturn and Mars are also in frame. You're going to get some cool color from that. And Mars is going to get even brighter as we get closer to the summer, which is kind of cool and kind of distracting. So you might have a really bright Jupiter, a really bright Mars in the same shot when they're both in opposition. Although it's just... <laughs> Sometimes I hate it. Sometimes I think it distracts from my Milky Way shot, but it's going to make a very unique picture, so get out there and capture it. Mars right now is close to Saturn, and it's spreading away more and more each day. And so the gap between Mars and Saturn is going to spread. So if you prefer waiting to the end of the week, you're going to see it as far away as it can this week. Or you can capture it now. It's not going to be a deterrent for your Milky Way shot, but that's what's happening with our planets in the sky. The last thing I'll tell you guys is that the Lyrid meteor shower is happening happening this week. It's not one of the biggest and brightest meteor showers, but just know that it's over by the Lyric constellation, and it's that's where the radiant is, but that doesn't mean it won't happen all throughout the entire sky. You're going to see meteor blasts coming all throughout. You're going to see the lines, boom, 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 all throughout your horizon. Just look for it. April 22nd is the peak morning, and there won't be a moon in the way to make the even dim ones visible, or make the even dimmer ones not visible. So we're going to see dim ones and bright ones. And so if you love meteor showers and always wanted to capture one, this week is a good one to do. That's the Astro Primer for April 16th through the 22nd of 2018. Do you ever find yourself shaking your fist at clouds? Do you secretly wish you could cause a county-wide power outage? Have you ever caught yourself yelling, stupid moon? Have you ever left your warm bed and stood outside in near freezing temperatures at two in the morning and loved it? Have you ever answered the question, why aren't you getting enough sleep with It's a New Moon? If you have ever said, thought, or done any of these things, then this podcast is for you. I'm Aaron King, and welcome to the Astrophotog Podcast. It's episode five of Astrophotog. Welcome back, guys. It's Astrophotog episode, and I want to announce a change to our schedule. Here's the thing. Brendan and I, working out our schedule, we have our best night for meeting up on Tuesday nights for the Photog Adventures podcast. Today's Monday. I'm recording this podcast right now at lunchtime on Monday, and I want, and I've been dying to get, Photog Adventures ahead where I can have Photog Adventures be there for the Monday morning commute. It has been a challenge, not only with my divorce and moving away from that home and losing the studio, but trying to work out a schedule with Brendan. It's always a challenge to make sure we can get in, and having to meet twice a week is almost impossible right now with his kid's situation and his time. So I'm going to swap the days. We were thinking that podcasts will be great on Monday, Photog Adventure podcast every Monday, and then maybe an Astro Photog podcast on Wednesday. What I want to do is give the Monday morning commute an astral primer for the week so you guys know, hey, you know, this is what's happening with the night sky. Let's talk Milky Way photography. I'm going to give you a 20, 30-minute quick episode podcast every Monday of the Astro Photog podcast. That requires me to spend some time during my weekend or during the week or just on Monday morning, bright and early, record the podcast and get it out to you guys. That's going to be possible because there's no one else to involve and no one else to impose upon. And so I 
can do it. So hopefully you guys are okay with that swap. Let us know by emailing us at photogadventures at gmail.com or you can go ahead and comment us, comment to us through YouTube, through Facebook, through anything that you find an easy way to comment to us. Just uh, let us know if you hate that or like it and hopefully it'll make it even better because then you guys can depend on it and plan on it and see that new Photog Adventures podcast out there Wednesday morning. I think it's going to be worth it for all of us. Another announcement is that the Escalante workshop is here in 27 days. We're only 27 days away. What a nice dark sky out in Escalante. I can't say enough of the interesting rocky foregrounds that we have different every night. You're going to come away with six different images. You're going to have the sunset arch. You're going to have dance hall rock. And then you're going to have three, probably two to three compositions that you come up with the Devil's Garden because there are multiple really cool rock pillars, rock arches, and just rock shapes that you can put underneath the Milky Way and love it. So that's 27 days away. If you've been debating going with us to Escalante, May's a fantastic time. It's not too hot. We're going to hang out in Escalante in a hotel there. Lots to learn, lots to enjoy. Hope you will come out with us. And lastly, Eric Benedetti's workshop, we're going to talk star tracking Milky Way photography this Saturday. So if you guys want to join us at the Eric Benedetti workshop, it's $79. It's a live online workshop, and you'll have five hours with Eric Benedetti, a master at star tracking photography. And you're going to get a chance to have him be out there teaching you, talking through the camera, pointing on his gear, why this gear, why he sets it up this way, and walk you through the process right up into post-processing. And so it's going to be an opportunity that you can't find anywhere else online. There's there's just not enough information out there for this this topic and Eric Benedetti is one of the greats and I'm excited to work with him this Saturday and do that we have space right here in this new office I'm talking a lot quieter as I have to be recording in this office space with multiple offices around me so I'm trying not to make too much noise and when I record during the middle of the day, unfortunately, I can't be as loud as I want to be. So if you're thinking, man, Aaron's quiet. Aaron's not talking as loud. It's because of that. It's an unfortunate thing. But soon, I'm going to put up some barriers and have a little podcast corner that I can yell at. And it won't, all that soundproofing will work for me. And so we're going to be okay soon. But right now, I'm making the best of the studio. But we're ready for Eric, ben Eric Benedetti to come here, sit down, sit with his gear, talk about it, and teach. And so that's going to join us here this Saturday. So those are the announcements of Astrophotog and Photog Adventures. So much to get through. I'm ready to get started. We're going to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart as a lover of the night sky. Light pollution. Oh, light pollution. Light freaking pollution. Man, I... How many of you have told me that, you know, milky photography for you in Utah is easy, but I'm out here in an awesome place that has tons of light, tons of population, and it stinks for Milky Way photography. I love living here. I wouldn't give up living here, but man, I wish I had darker skies. Man, I wish I had darker skies. Light pollution, light pollution, right? It's such a pain, and I'm so tired of the the issues that are creeping into Utah where we have locations that are being built and yet not being built smartly and so we want to talk about that and the reason why I'm talking about it is because this week is International Dark Sky Week it was created by a girl in high school and so let's see what's her name her name was Jennifer Barlow Jennifer Barlow in 2003 created the International Dark Sky Week and now it's grown to be this worldwide event and it's part of this global astronomy month that we have every April and so there's astronomy day in April and then there's this week happens to be the 15th through 21st the International Dark Sky Week where we celebrate these dark skies and so you know why does light pollution matter 
it's crazy what's going on with light pollution. And it can only get worse if we aren't smart because it's very easy to fix. And so I have this article here from darksky.org. It's the organization that works on dark skies and recognizes places like just recently they well I guess not recently it was last year they gave this section of Idaho a dark sky reserve designation and they designate these locations as being you know places that care about the dark sky and take care of it and they get this award of a designation that they are an international dark sky park they're an international dark sky recreation area they're an international dark sky reserve and so these places that take care of the sky take care of the, sk- the lights and keep them dim or off get designated as places that are recognized internationally as the best places to go some of the best 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 spots on earth to go and do milky way photography astronomy pull out a telescope and enjoy the night sky at these locations and so this article from darksky.org talks about international dark sky week and i want to pull out some elements from the article and talk about it with you guys and i wish we had a conversation going back and forth and so what i'm going to do is i'm going to release this podcast in their facebook group our Facebook page and our Facebook group. And I want to start a conversation about the night sky and the light pollution and what we all can do and what you guys have done. Because I'm really curious if there's anything that in your areas that you've actually done to prevent light pollution, to educate on it. And so we're going to talk about these things. Well, first off, why does light pollution matter so much? What's so terrible about it? Well, it actually does have some, well, okay, there's going to be scientific evidence towards this, but I'm not going to state any of this as absolute fact. It's something that is studied, and there's studies out there declaring it one way, and, you know, like most things, it's it gets centered around emotion sometimes and people's emotion and their feelings. And so they will take something as absolute fact and display it as absolute fact. I'm not going to display any of this as absolute fact, but I know it causes problems. And so I think that no matter which side of the argument you may be on, I think all of us are on the side against light pollution, honestly. I just don't want anyone to look at this as, Aaron, I can't believe you declared that as fact. I can't believe you said that on the podcast, that this is how it is. None of this is absolute 100% fact. This is studies that have done that have effects on things. There's an effect, which is a very loose term as, you know, causes problems most of the time, maybe, you know, it's not a absolute is killing off sea turtles. It's just having an effect on sea turtle hatchlings. And so let's, let's keep these things down to a, here's the things that it could be problematic for and that we should get rid of it because why not? And it'll help those things as just, you know, good things to think as to why light pollution we should get rid of and not worry too much about the absolute science. I'm sure I'm going to get someone who knows a lot more than me sending me an email about how this is complete bupkis and bump, 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 bump. What am I trying to say? It's complete bunk, bunk, not bupkis. It means bupkis. So here it is. Light pollution matters. Uh, the situation of our whole existence forever has been, we have this relationship with the night sky. Science, religion, tons of philosophy and art have all been inspired and included the night sky. We've traveled by the night. We know where we are thanks to this map in the sky, despite the fact that landmarks are not visible in the dark without moonlight. And so we have this thousand years history as a humankind depending and loving the night sky and appreciating and being awe-inspired. How many of you who may be religious like myself or not religious at all sit there and stare at the Milky Way core and just feel drawn to it? 
I feel this awe and worship for it. And I know that this night sky is amazing. And I just feel so awesome underneath it. I think a lot of you feel the same way. And so we've grown for thousands of years as a human kind to actually appreciate and respect and be a part of it. And yet today, there's a generation that have grown up and maybe even reached 30 years old, 30 years, years old already and haven't seen the Milky Way have barely seen the stars, have never experienced a really dark sky that shows, you know, oh, wow, there's billions of stars out there, billions. And the Milky Way, they don't understand it. They don't understand what it is. They're kids right now, and are they having a terrible life because they can't see it? Well, in my opinion, yes, but not really. It's just something that they don't understand. They don't know. They literally have to travel to an international dark sky site to experience what the night sky actually is because of our light pollution. And we're not just hurting ourselves, we're hurting animals. And nocturnal animals in particular are definitely having an effect because having artificial light in their environment at night when they're nocturnal beasts, they've been built to handle the dark, they've been built to see well in the dark, and they're constantly having an effect. Now, are they being blinded? Are they unable to hunt? Are they unable to eat? No, they're adapting just as much as we would adapt. But there are situations that's made it very difficult, and it could be devastating to them for all that we really know with the studies that we have. And so having artificial light constantly blasting outside in areas that there's nocturnal animals who are thriving on the terrain, it's just stupid. It's a stupid waste. Why turn on a lamp out there in the middle of the desert and leave it on all night long when you're sleeping? It's just there's no point to it. And so they talk about that effect on nocturnal animals as well as I mentioned sea turtle hatchlings already. They're migrating birds, sea turtle hatchlings, and insects are mentioned in this article as having deleterious or deleterious deleterious or deleterious you know I'm not, I've never seen this word before it's like delirious but then they add in letta in the middle of delirious so deleterious 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 effects on other organisms such as migrating birds sea turtle hatchlings and insects and what it is is that they know their direction they're supposed to go based on the starry sky the moon and sun and when they have these big bright areas that could potentially trick them into thinking that's a sunrise moonrise that's something that they expect to be lit that's nature but not nature now they're going in the wrong direction that's my best guess on that and it isn't very great that it's out there and that's why i like the idea of low level lighting when you're out in these areas and not causing any negative effects for the environment around me because I don't have to impose my will on them. I'm happy to share the space. And then here's a point that I've always made, and it's like there isn't proof that if you have all these lights throughout a park that you feel any safer out there or it deters, it deters crime. There's not enough evidence that outdoor lighting deters crime. It deters people from doing things. In fact, it's kind of helping them see the property. It's making the property easier to see, easier to travel in, and victims are actually going in and out of this light hot spots. And so you go out in bad outdoor lighting and you might end up getting blinded in a section and then getting your eyes dilated for the dark and it has to work between the constricting dilation, constricting dilation, Have you ever walked through a street lamp and then felt blinded for a second? Honestly, you're getting ambush areas. If we're going to think about crime as the reason why we have the lights out there, then we should look at it from the perspective of, okay, we're expecting crime. We're expecting an ambush. And honestly, 
would you rather walk through a fully dark field and stand in the middle of that and be able to see every direction you're going because you can see it evenly, your eyes have adjusted, and you can see the things around you? Or would you rather walk in and out of blind spots and blinding light that every time you turn a corner, who knows what's behind that corner? And I would rather sneak up on my assailant than be visible to my assailant until my assailant wants to be seen. And so my personal belief is I feel so much safer in parks with absolutely no lights whatsoever. Do I want my kids out there playing in the dark? With me, yes. Alone with their friends? I don't care. I think so too. I think all of us grew up in times where we had sleepovers and we'd run outside all night long and we'd be safe. And so I don't think there's something that you should really think that, oh, at night it's more dangerous. It's just as dangerous in the daytime to get kidnapped as it is nighttime. And so when you think about the constant lighting of the streets and the parks and the areas, it's, it's actually detrimental and counterproductive in some ways. I've seen a video that showed a guy ambush someone more easily with the lights on. Now, they came from the bias that dark sky sites are better, and so they made that you know video based on their bias. And so I'm okay with that, and I believe it myself personally. I don't know how you feel, but it's just the bad outdoor lighting is unnecessary, and it's not making us more safe. And so why do we fill our night sky in these populated areas with constant light just filling the sky? Not to mention... Not to mention that we're not only filling the the, the light the, the the space from the light to the floor, the light to the ground, light to the road. We're not just filling that area with light, but we're also blasting it up. I mean, we have these lights that go in a globe shape and light goes up. Why is this excess lighting going up in the sky? It's a terrible way to light your backyard, terrible way to light anything that you have control over. If you're part of a community, well, we'll talk about that with what you can do. Let me just not jump into that. The last thing it talks about here is the misleading term blue light. I just want to say it out there. Someone out there smarter than me is going to say blue light is a misnomer because it's not the blue color temperature as much as it is just a a wide array, a, a spectrum of light that caused these negative effects. And so when you say blue light, it's not just the fact that it's color blue. Don't think of it that way. Just think of it as a term that's been applied to the spectrum of light that causes problems between the scientific term of like 450 nm and 550 nm or something like that. I have no idea what the nm even stands for. Nanometers? I doubt it. I bet it's something else. Something else to do with lumens and and light and spectrum of light. But Beyond that science, just know that blue light is like uh, the word Kleenex. Well, not Kleenex. Let's just say it is just the term that they've used. It is not a descriptor. It's not a descriptor of quantity, quality of light, color of light, nothing like that. So don't just think blue light is the color blue. But this artificial light at night, this particular spectrum of light called blue light, has been linked to increased effects or risks for obesity, depression, sleep disorders, diabetes, breast cancer, which is why you know, your phone or your iPad might have the same thing mine does, where at night it turns off the blue light, and so it doesn't have as much after 7 p.m., so that I'm looking at it with a warm spectrum of light. Is it just actual warm spectrum of light and not blue colors? I think it is. So I'm not sure if it's hitting the exact spectrum that's supposed to, but I believe it does help me get to sleep and not have any effect. Of course, I haven't noticed any other effects either before, but why not be safe? I can still see and read and do what I'm doing, so it doesn't bother me at all. So we're not immune to light pollution. Animals aren't immune to it. There's an effect to it. So what can we do this week while we celebrate Dark Sky Week? What can we do to fix it? Well, here's some recommendations right from the article that I'm going to read verbatim because I think they're great recommendations and you guys are doing some of these already. So first off, here's what I was going to start talking about. 
shield your outdoor lighting, check around your home, all the lights that you have under your responsibility, you can fix. If you can do nothing else, but angle it downward. You know, don't shield it if you can't shield it or you don't want to shield it. At least angle it downward. Minimize light trespass beyond your property lines. Use light only when and where needed. Motion detectors and timers can help. Use only the amount of light required for the task at hand. I mean, you guys can have your backyards not light up the night sky and your whole street and neighborhood. If you guys were to keep your local light pollution down, you'd have a better experience. How many of you have gone out in your backyard with your camera or a telescope and spent time shielding your eyes from the light across the way or behind that fence in their backyard? They're, they're lighting their backyard to keep it from you know being robbed. And they, you have to keep your hand up to stop blinding yourself or put the telescope in a position where that tree branch blocks it for you and so you don't have it you know, causing any issues and messing with your eyesight. I've done that many nights, and so I hate it when motion sensors turn on or when my neighbors forget to turn theirs off and it's on all night long. And so just you can do that. Take care of that at least in your local area or at your own home and make sure that you're not adding to the light pollution that's not necessary. They say download, watch, and share Losing the Dark. It's a public service announcement. I have seen it. Um, if that's the one I'm remembering, it's cheesy and corny and awesomeness, but uh, I'm going to link you guys in the show notes. And uh, you guys can find it at photogadventures.com forward slash AP5. So instead of episode 5, EP5, like we do for Photog Adventures, Astrophotog, I will do with AP and then do the number. So this is episode 5, so AP5. We can look for it there. Another thing is talk to your neighbors, your community, explain that poorly shielded fixtures waste energy, produce glare, and reduce visibility. Now, waste energy, that light's turned on whether you're shielding it or not. You're you're not necessarily wasting the energy and spending different amounts of energy, but I can see what they're saying that all that light going up could be redirected going down, and you're making more efficient use of all the light that you're spraying at all. Or you can get a fixture that's meant for it that because of the shield has less output, less need, less energy needs, and it's only directing it where you want it. And you know, need to keep it nice and local. Some of you have probably been to a dark sky site or a dark sky designated site by the you know IGDA, and you've probably seen that they still have lights on site in some of these places, but they have shields on them. And those shields are really crucial to keep the light from affecting our sight when we're looking up at the night sky and from filling the night sky with terrible light. They say also become a citizen scientist with GLOBE. Now, here's something where you guys can actually go and document your light pollution in your neighborhood and then share the results. There's an app, Dark Sky Rangers. Um, I have the app on my phone. Um, let me read the actual name of the app. Is it this? No, it's not that one. Do, 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 do. I see this one called UAC, and that's for avalanches. Um, <laughs> Dark Sky Meter. The Dark Sky Meter app is one of them, and basically what it's doing is it's going to check the darkness in this area and then give you know in the data information out there so that they can create some accurate light pollution maps. And so if you're a citizen scientist, you'll get one of these apps, any ones that Globe or Night or the Dark, Dark Sky Rangers need, and then document your light pollution, send it in, and help create that nice, accurate map. If you've seen lightpollution.info, lightpollutionmap.info website, and you've seen the one at darksky or darksitefinder.com, those are older maps. Light pollution map, lightpollutionmap.info is a more recent 2015 information, while we have 10 years old information at darksitefinder.com. So we need to get more accurate light pollution maps, and this is going to help us. The other thing they say is photograph the sky. 
enter the contest, the 2017 National Earth and Sky Photo Contest. Go ahead and enter that if you guys fill up to it. Um, we are already photographing the night sky. You guys are from Milky Way Photographers, so you're doing awesome there. And attend or throw a star party. Um, Natalie Darwaza does this a lot, and she's awesome with it. And she's encouraging her community to get out there and come to these star parties where they all come together. And some people who have never done it before have always wanted to, or they got that Christmas that Christmas present telescope, and they don't know really how to use it. And they bring it in this situation an opportunity to to figure out how to use the present that they have with other people around them and it makes it more comfortable so throw those star parties get people out there and enjoy that night sky or that dark sky because if they come out to a dark location and they see the difference and they go oh wow this is amazing it's too bad we don't have that at home it's like well we could we could if we can get our community to turn off there was a Colorado community recently that turned off all of their lights in order to help have a dark sky for one evening and that was really cool of them and I wish we'd do it I'm always praying for that you know blackout that happens and I can get my camera out there and see the Milky Way in our cool locations that we have here in round cities I'd love to see the Milky Way in a big city but that's a dream for the future uh, what else did I have from this list Boom, set it set it set it talk to your neighbors set it because it's not okay I said all six those are the what you can do guys it's international dark sky week appreciate the dark sky get out there this week like you heard in the astral primer and capture the milky way capture the lyrid meteor shower do something if you go to a dark sky site you can see more of those meteors that are coming through and see those blasts and it is a lot of fun to do hope you guys get out there again sorry for having the talk kind of quiet in the podcast as i go through this area and getting it set up still but uh monday mornings Think of it as Astro Primer, Astro Photog Day, and we'll talk Milky Way photography. And then on Wednesday, it's Photog Adventures Day. So see you guys on Wednesday or listen to me on Wednesday, and I'll talk to you guys then. See ya.